from Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour as we head into the end of our 23rd year and the beginning of our 24th year here and in the Diocese of Sacramento. I want to thank everybody along that helped us along the way, all the the great guests we've had, uh, all the uh, wonderful underwriters, and, of course, uh, you, the listeners, are the important and the great support of the founder, uh, Bishop Wiegand, and also great support from Bishop Soto. And uh, we want to reach out to our colleagues at uh, Radio Santissimo Sacramento, the Spanish-language station, which also is just going gangbusters. So uh, I wish them well as well. So thanks thanks to everybody who has uh, helped us along the way. Well, we are pleased and uh, honored to welcome in uh, Dale Alquist, the uh, founder, president, chief cook, and bottle washer of the Chesterton Society. Dale, good to have you on the program. Hey, God bless you, Bob. It's great to be with you again. Hey, thanks so much for... Uh, for joining us, are you still back there in the Gopher State? I think that's where I am at the moment. Uh, that won't uh, remain the same for long. I've been a lot of traveling coming up, including coming to Sacramento in October. Are you really? Well. Yes. Can we make a lunch date right here on? <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> what What will you be doing in Sacramento? I'll be speaking at uh, the. Um, Gala for the new Chester Academy of Sacramento, uh, and that's on October 21st. And mm-hmm. then I'll be speaking at uh, St. Stephen's Catholic Church on October 22nd. Very good. Very good. St. Stephen the First Martyr? Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah, that's uh, the <laughs> Latin Mass Parish. and yeah. Yes, yes, right, right. And How I, wonderful. Uh, uh, I'll be speaking there, right. Uh, will, will, you, will you be speaking Latin? Yeah, I will not be speaking Latin. Okay. I'll be speaking uh, English and, and the, the poor version of English that we speak in America. Okay. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the uh, this year's the 100th anniversary of G.K. Chesterton's conversion into the into the Catholic. Is Church. it really? So, do you have the yeah, exact date of that? Well, I certainly do. It was July 30th, 1922. Wow. Uh, wow. So it's a, Great centennial year of 100 years of Chester being a Catholic, and so we've been kind of celebrating that all year long, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about um, at the uh, event at St. Stephen's on October 22nd is uh, the theme of conversion. So it's a great place to bring your friends who are thinking about becoming Catholic or who aren't thinking about becoming mm-hmm. Catholic. Sure, uh, yeah, especially the ones that aren't thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you, it's it. You know, Chesterton is is the maker of many, many converts, and you know, I'm one of them. I you're talking to one of his converts. So, so how old was he when he converted? He was 48, Bob. Wow. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, and so it was a long, long process because he started thinking about being Catholic seriously, probably, uh, in, you know, around 1910, probably, uh-huh. and. Uh, his brother became Catholic around 1912, uh, and that's when he really started thinking seriously about it. But one of the reasons that delayed his conversion was that his wife, uh, Frances Chester, had really no interest in becoming Catholic. She was a devout Anglican and was very, uh, you know, content being Anglican. And, and uh, Chester really had a hard time doing anything without his wife because uh, mm-hmm. he depended on her so much and they were so close. and. Uh, he really, really made a bold move when he made that decision uh, in 1922 uh, to become Catholic because it, it did mean not sharing the most important thing in his life with his wife. And uh, it's a story that ends happily because four years later she also joined the Catholic hmm. Church. So was he Anglican at the time? Yeah, he would have been Anglican at the time. Now, he, he, you know, he was a convert to Christianity in the first place, um, he was raised in a very non-credal uh, kind of Unitarian household, and his story of becoming Catholic is is really the the basis of the book. Or, uh, uh, excuse me, his story of becoming a Christian is is what the book Orthodoxy is about, and it's it's really why that book appealed to so many people. 
even though it, it reads like a very Catholic book and it's published by Catholic publishers, he really was defending um, a Christian faith that included, in his mind, the, the Anglican Church, because he was defending the, the Apostles' Creed, which you know both churches recite. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And so his wife eventually came over as well. She did, yeah. And, uh, and so they uh, they finished their lives as, as very uh, devout practicing Catholics, and, uh, you know, they both died in the church then. So you... You say your your conversion is just direct result of Chesterton. Yeah, with, with a little bit of say, Holy Spirit mixed you, in. You, you know, I, we're going to give credit to the Holy Spirit and 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 the Church Fathers, but it was G.K. Chesterton that first got me started thinking about the Catholic faith. It was G.K. Chesterton that guided me all the way. And it was G.K. Chesterton that really escorted me to the doors of the Catholic Church. Wow. So, uh, any what in specific? Well, um, you know, he—I didn't realize I was becoming a Catholic while I was reading Chesterton. Uh, I didn't realize that all my different objections to the Catholic faith were kind of dropping away one by one, because he explained the the Church in such a positive and inviting and welcoming and reasonable way. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Never thought about that before. Yeah, that makes sense. And all of a sudden, I realized that I was, you know, in some very dangerous territory. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, you know, having been raised a Baptist, Bob, I, uh, I realized, well, I, I can't become Catholic. You know, I've been, I've been making fun of and criticizing the Catholic Church my whole life. Why sure. would I? Why would I do this? <laughs> isn't uh, about this the question isn't about chesterton but you know there's a lot of virulent anti-catholicism in the history of this country which would make yeah. it for many people <laughs> very difficult to convert yeah well you know i i think if i could become catholic anyone can um <laughs> you know chester talks about the three stages of conversion it's really the, the first stage is you decide you're going to be fair to the catholic church mm-hmm uh, you know, for the first time, it, it it doesn't mean that you're going to believe what the Catholic Church is. You're just not going to believe everything that's said against the Catholic Church. Right. You're going to actually listen to the Catholic case for things. And, right. And he said the problem is that no one can be fair to the Catholic Church. You're either for it or against it. No one is neutral <laughs> about the Catholic Church. And as soon as you stop being against it, you start being for it. You start feeling like you're being drawn towards it. So right away, that first step is the fatal step when you decide you're going to be fair. And then, of course, the second step is discovering the Catholic Church, just learning all the things that you never knew about the Catholic Church. And he said, that's like being uh, in in an exotic foreign land with all these um, flowers and birds and and things that you'd never seen before, you're, you're just taking it all in because it's so interesting and, and new, and it's such a discovery, and uh, and you, you have no commitment because you can leave anytime you want, but that then comes the third stage, which is, he says, running away from the Catholic Church. Because <laughs> that's when your, your mind, uh, you know, your intellect has been, been satisfied. All your, all your questions really have been answered at that point, but your heart is still telling you, well, you can't do this. You, you, you know, you have to stop, and, and you, 
action as you can. Right. It really is always an act of the will at the end, because God has given us free will, and no matter what our head is telling us, our heart has to be convinced. But that, isn't that the truth? Yeah, amen. I, I know. Just talking to some of my teenagers, you know, when they're torn between, uh, not necessarily in a religious sense, but torn between some decision or not decision, and their brain's telling them one thing, and I say, you know, your, <laughs> I call it your gut sometimes, which is really your heart. You know, I said, you'll know just by how you if how your stomach feels, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there, there's a lot of lot of truth to that. So, uh, <clears throat> so Chesterton brought you in, um, presumably brought a lot of other people in, and you're oh, bringing people, people in. Yeah, well, I. I... I don't deny the fact that I've had a great privilege of, of because t- talking about Cheston, it has it has definitely drawn people to the Catholic Church. Uh, you know, the, the work on EWTN and the other writing that I've done is is definitely uh, had had an impact on people's lives, and that's been a great blessing from the Holy Spirit. So you've got a couple new books. Yes, I have two two new books that have just come out. One is from Ignatius Press. It's called The Story of the Family. It's Chesterton's writings about uh, the subtitle of the book, the the only is the the only state that creates and loves its own citizens. Hmm. It, isn't that a great definition, Bob, of of the family? The only state that creates and loves its own citizens. Yeah, that's that's a great definition of the family. Yeah, and so we talk about Chesterton's very well. I mean, it's it's really pure Chester. I've just organized. Um, uh, some poems and some short quotations and then some excerpts from his essays about how it's really the family against the world. It's it's true love against mere sex. It's marriage against divorce. It's uh, babies against birth control. And then this is the important thing. It's the home against the school and you know, it's parents against the school and ho- the home against the workplace. We have to understand that the, the, the damage has been done by how modern public education has undermined the family and how the workplace has undermined the family. And Chesterton is very prophetic about those things. And what's the second book? The second book is called, you'll like this, Strange Things About Being Catholic. <laughs> I, I do like it already. Uh, and so that's a, a book of apologetics and uh, you know some some personal accounts of what it was like to become a Catholic and and on being a Roman Catholic on being an American Catholic and uh, it's just short pithy essays uh, and that one's available from ACS Books and that they're both you can find them both on our website at Chesterton.org. Is, is strange things about being Catholic include a, a uh, chapter about listening to the Bishop's Hour? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got you had your best line of the show now, Bob. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, indeed. So, uh, Chesterton Academy. Oh my gosh, um, I feel like I'm being closed in on from all sides. Everywhere I turn, there's a new Chesterton Academy. Well, in Sacramento, that's exactly the case. They're all around you, including one now has opened right in Sacramento. But there, there was one a few years ago that opened in Dixon Valley. There's one right. up in Yuba City opening this year. There's one in the process up in Grass Valley, and uh, and then there's there's one opening on the uh, on the peninsula in San Francisco. There, so there's you know five schools in that area, and. Wow. It's just incredible the growth of these schools uh, around the country. There's there's 46 op- you know open right now in the U.S. and in some other countries, and by by next year there'll be 60 Chesterton Academies. So what's are these? Is it all high school? Yeah, all nine through twelve. Mm-hmm. It's the classical Catholic secondary uh, curriculum, very integrated and. Uh, you know, we we do we do teach the classic uh, literature and philosophy, and we teach the arts. But it's got a you know it's got a, a rigorous math and science program uh, as well. It's just that we emphasize things uh, along with science.
science. Uh, you know, we, we emphasize theology and philosophy and the arts along with the sciences, and that's what makes it a very complete education. And the kids learn how to be very articulate, and it's all centered around the Catholic faith, the daily mass every day, the, the school day centered around the mass, and it, it's, it's a remarkable phenomenon that's just do growing you, like wildfire. Do you have religious on the faculty? We ha- some of the schools do. In fact, there's a couple of the schools in in America that have uh, priests as as the head of the school. The headmaster mm-hmm. is a priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, it's it's been a lay run uh, movement. Uh, the, 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 each school started by a group of lay people, but the more involvement we get from the church, that always gives it a, a boost right at the beginning. When, when priests and uh, bishops are, are are supporting it, and we've been really blessed around the country. So, so how does it how does a new school come into being? Is that a, a group of people come to you? Are you are you scout an area and think, oh, I think a school yeah. would work here? How does it come about? Yeah, it's it's what you said the first time. We we don't start any of the schools. They are all started independently. But mm-hmm. you're right; they all come to us, and we have the the system of how to start a school. We have the, you know, obviously they, they get the curriculum from us, but they, we take them through each step of, of the process of starting a school and how to run a school, how to choose a board of directors, how to do fundraising, but they are all independently started and independently run. And what we've proved is that we can do it. And, and people, you know, Susio said, well, if Dana Walkless can start a school, I can certainly start a school. And that's usually... <laughs> How it works. They, they realize, okay, no, it can't be that hard. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's a complete blessing. And you, what's what's the biggest hurdle for most of them? Just having a physical plant, uh, having money? Or what? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, everybody has to do fundraising to get a school started, but you can start it with a lot less money than, um, than you think because you, you don't have to start by building a school. There's usually a physical plant available somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the demographics, there's a lot of empty classroom space in virtually every city around the the country. So, you know, if, it, if it's not an empty public school building, it's an empty church school building. Uh-huh. It might not be Catholic, but they, but but they still have the the, the facility available. And uh, our our first school we rented from both a, a former public school and a former uh, I mean a a, a, a Protestant uh, school that was empty. And mm-hmm. you know now we are are using a, uh, an old Catholic school. It's 100 years old, the building is. So, wow. You know. What's what, what generally would be an enrollment at Chester Academy? Well, you know, it's it starts out with anywhere between 15 and 30 students. Because you, you, we try to get people to start with just one grade, start with the ninth grade, and then mm-hmm. build each year because it's a very integrated curriculum. Sure. And, you know, you, you, wanna, you don't want students, if, if you can, help it to, to start as juniors or something because they haven't gotten the the basis of of, the, of what leads up to junior year. So you you build each year and you know once the school is operating, if, if it's if it, it could be between uh, forty uh, kids to make a complete school to a uh, hundred to a hundred and sixty. You know we we've got we've got three schools that are in the hundred and sixty range right now. Is is there any part of the country that's more interested or less inter- interested in a Chesterton Academy? Well, you know, they're starting all over the place, Bob. There's some in the Pacific Northwest, uh, which is a surprising area to have Chesterton Academy. It's a very unchurched area, but, boy, they're, they're starting there. I mean, they, they our, our first school started in Minnesota, and, and there was a quite, quite a, 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 a few schools starting in the Midwest there, but uh, as a fair share out on the East Coast, uh, upstate New York and, and New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And I think the, the last place they're coming now is, is the South, but we mm-hmm. have a few in Texas and uh, and one starting in Florida. Yeah, Catholic Church traditionally in the in the South, especially the Deep South. Um, yeah. The Texas and Florida I kind of consider on the fringes of the Deep South. Yeah, you're right. Parts yeah, you're that right. are and parts that aren't, but... Uh, um, but I think we're, you know there's there's probably one st- well there there is one starting in Nashville this, this mm-hmm. year so yeah I think Tennessee for years had the lowest 
Catholic population in the country at about two percent yeah. or something like that. <laughs> but you yeah, know, I can I can almost see it. You say I think I read one time that Oregon, which is where I was born, is the most unchurched state in the country. Right. And yet, right. you you, uh, I can see uh, as as so, sort of maybe as a minority in a in in a in an unchurched state, uh, which doesn't mean there aren't any churches. Uh, by the way, there are a lot a lot of faithful Catholics up there and a lot of other right. other religions, but. Um, I could see that the, the faithful of those areas, uh, it, it, it makes you um, even stronger in your faith and more sort of willing to, to put it out there, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, we've got two schools in, uh, in the state of Oregon right now and one in the state of Washington. And, so where, where are the Oregon schools? Uh, one's in Salem, mm-hmm. just outside of Salem, and the other is starting in Portland this year. And then there's one up in Spokane, Washington, that's a couple years old. Spokane, one of my favorite cities. That's where uh, my wife and I, first place we went to Mass together was in Spokane. Oh, wow. Good story. That's great. I love Spokane, too. Yeah, Yeah. I I love to go over to Gonzaga to St. Al's and go to Mass there. (laughs) Oh, boy. It's a goal. I mean, I think your goal is 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 pretty well stated. But uh, are primarily, are most of these kids going on to college, or are they going on to other things? We have the whole wide variety. We it's it's you know we we don't call ourselves college preparatory, but these kids are well prepared for college. In fact, mm-hmm. a lot of them have a head start going into college because they have such a good a good education. In right. fact, uh, we have a an arrangement with Franciscan University that a lot of the courses that we take, they give college credit. Oh, very good. And these, and these are credits that can be transferred to other schools. And, um, and, and but we have a, a, a fair share of, of kids who really have the equivalent of a, of a four-year liberal arts college de- degree, and they're ready to, to do a trade, right, when they, when mm-hmm. they get out of college. Mm-hmm. Unless they're going to go on to some you know, professional pursuit, they're, they're ready for a trade, and, and uh, they're good thinkers, and they're, they have good, solid salaries within a couple of years uh, out of com- coming out of high school. But then I have to say, you know, cannot go around saying it. In our first school that we started here in the Twin Cities, better than one out of nine of our male graduates have gone to seminary. I was going to, that's my next question. I hope I didn't take away the ability for you to ask the question. Yes, we have a lot of a lot of vocations. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. So. Wow, that's 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 uh, uh, the vocations director is down the hall from the radio studio. I'm he's probably going to be calling you. <laughs> good, good. Well, you know, I think in Sacramento you've got some some future priests uh, attending the New Testament Academy right there. That's true. Where exactly in Sacramento is the is the the new one going? Well, um, I could say it's 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 right where the first yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah, I, I got it exactly. Okay, good. Well, that's where it is. Okay. Uh, it's it's at the um, it's at the church that is currently being run by the Pro Ecclesia Sancta. Um, Group, mm-hmm. Father Alvaro and Father Adam, mm-hmm. um, and I can't remember the name of the church, but that's where it is. They have classroom space. 
Very good. And I can't remember the name. I'm sorry. And but there's only 46 of them for me to keep track of. I was going to say, that's, that's, that's yeah. just remarkable. Of course, you know, in the state of Oregon, you need to be careful because in 1921, state of Oregon banned Catholic schools. No kidding. Yes, and they that's in, banned that's them. Over 100 years ago. Yeah, that's because people. Years ago. Well, it was a year before uh, Chesterton converted. Yeah. It may yeah. have been why he converted. <laughs> Maybe the little known fact. So they wow. they they said, you know, that they they were all papists. Their allegiance was to Rome, not to uh yeah. Salem, <laughs> you know. And right. uh, and and they banned them. The government governor and the there's a famous Supreme Court case which is Pierce who's the governor and and it's like the 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 little sisters of Jesus and Mary versus Pierce, you know who's going to win that one? <laughs> and wow. and I I believe it was a unanimous uh, Supreme Court decision in nineteen. I think they didn't get to the court till about nineteen twenty five, something like that. And uh, and uh, Catholic schools won, and um, the rest is history. Of course, wow. the, the Klan was very active yeah. in Oregon at the time. Is there? Yeah. Is yeah, that is that the them. weirdest state capitol building you've ever seen? Well, I've seen some weird ones. I've had the privilege of traveling around the country, but it's unique. It's unique. <laughs> it's unique, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the weirdest ones is Baton Rouge. It's oh, Art yeah. Deco yeah. office building, yeah. 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 <laughs> this is our capital. <laughs> and, of course, Louisiana has parishes, not counties. Right. Right, yeah. that's the most Catholic state we have, and they've got the weirdest capital. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. So, wh- how old is the the one in the Twin Cities? How uh, not the building, yeah, which so is hundred years old? We are in our fifteenth year now. Okay, wow. all right. Yep. Have you won any state football championships yet? We, our football team, is undefeated. Okay, that. Yep. You know, one time I saw a guy. In, in a grocery store in California, and he was wearing a Gonzaga football sweatshirt, and it said undefeated since 1953. So <laughs> I, I get where you're coming from. Do, do you have athletic yeah. programs? Oh, yeah, we have a very active athletic mm-hmm. program. We, we run the cheap sports because if you, you know, have football, you've just decreased everyone's tuition. Oh, man. It, uh, yeah, football's yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, a, especially at the high school level, Hugely yeah, expensive because you're not drawing yeah. fifty thousand people or TV right. money or anything else. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's cheap to put on you know basketball and baseball and soccer and volleyball yep. and track. Those are so we have very active sports program. Very good. You know, it's not not hard to keep sports going. That's great. And and you get a lot of your coaches just from the community, or are they faculty? Yeah, members? usually a bunch of bunch of volunteers, parent volunteers, and uh, uh, it's funny our. Our present headmaster of the school in the Twin Cities was once a Division One basketball coach, and, and he's the headmaster of the school now. Wow. And coaches of basketball, too. But uh, I had another head, headmaster who was also a, a basketball coach say to me that being a basketball coach is much better preparation for being a headmaster than having a degree in uh, school administration. Oh, I, I, I believe it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I do too. It's absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. These guys are the most diplomatic and inspiring guys you could ever, ever have. Boy, that's great. So, what's the what's the future for Chester Academy? You're just going to keep growing. We'll keep doing whatever God wants us. We're really blessed with the growth that we've seen. I I do believe that this is a a serious grassroots movement to revive Catholic education in this country, and um, the, there's there's a reason why these schools are starting, because it, it's putting the power of of, um, of educating children back into the parents' hands because they felt very helpless before, but when they can start a school themselves and know that it's a faithful Catholic school and, and be part of this incredible growth um, and, and really see what the results in their own children... I can't imagine it's not going to continue growing. Very good. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you out here uh, in October. 
Yeah, let's get together, Bob. God bless us. That would be really fun to do that. Uh, that so everybody come to the uh, to the October 22nd uh, uh, meeting at uh, at St. Stephen's there, and uh, and I'll be talking about Chester's conversion and uh, and come support the gala on the 21st for the Chester Gabby Sacramento. Very good. Well, thanks so much, Dale. God bless you and and all your all your work there, and uh, we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Always a pleasure, Bob. God bless you. God bless you, too. Thanks so much, Dale. That's Dale Alquist, the founder, head of the Chesterton Society. And Wow, 60 schools on the, on the books. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on a Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This is Deacon Kevin Stasco, the Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Deacon Kevin, for that wonderful introduction. Thank you for all you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, we're pleased to welcome in Jennifer Campbell. Jennifer, good day to you. Bob, how are you? Doing fine. Uh, did everybody survive the rides at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom? They sure did. And for the first time since On Fires Began, I actually got to go on a ride this time. So, what did you go on the merry-go-round? What did you go on? No, I went on. There's a new ride called Sidewinder, and I went on that ride, and it was a lot of fun. I went on it with Steve Angrizano, actually. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you get his autograph? Um, I have it already. Did he get you, did he get your autograph? Um, no, but he wants it next time is what okay. he said. So. All right. Next time we'll think we're gonna sing a duet together. Oh good. Talk, so, good. So. <laughs> How wonderful. Yeah, no, everyone survived the rides and they seem to have a great time on them. Tell so, us about the sidewinder. So it is a ride where you're in like there's four of you in kind of like a teacup situation, but not really. Um, and you're on a track like a regular roller coaster, but you're just kind of spinning around <laughs> and going up and down. It's, um, if, you've, if you've been to Disneyland, which is a competing a park, I know, but it's similar to the Goofy Sky School ride in California Adventure. It's okay. familiar. Do they serve snacks while you're riding? No, but I and I'm glad they don't because it would not be pretty. <laughs> and how was lunch? The lunch all you can great. eat lunch. That all you can eat lunch. Kids ate all that they could eat. I think. Yeah. Um, and we had we had ten vocation booths at our vocation carnival wow. during the lunch. So we had 
Um, the Daughters of Charity were there. We had the um, PES Sisters, which are, they're actually, they have a, their convent in, um, in Vacaville. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had our diocese vocations offices there, as well as the Diocese of Monterey. Um, I'm trying to think of all the groups. There are so many. I just, they're all, <laughs> they're all blurring together. Wow, me. that's, that's fabulous. Yeah, Ten great. booths, that's great. Yeah, it was great, and they had, um, you know, they all were giving out, like, stickers or different things to help the kids, um, you know, remember and, and to come back and talk to them later, and, and kids were talking to them. I mean, in the past, we've done, like, go, to, you know, talk to all the booths, and there's uh, some kind of a giveaway. We had nothing like that this year. The kids just wanted to, like, hang out and talk, so, hmm. and we had a line for confession. Um, You're kidding. For, a good a good part of the day. Um, Bishop Barber actually came. He wasn't able to come to the mass, but he came and and um, listened to confession for a couple hours for us. And um, yeah, at one point I looked over and we had it set up that there would be two confessionals, and there were four <laughs> priests hearing confession at one time. So it was it's kind of amazing um, that the kids, you know, they're in the middle of an amusement park, and that's something they're choosing to do so it's a great testament to the faith of these young people well that's wonderful was it a good crowd yeah we were we were a little nervous like a week ahead of time um because our numbers were a little lower than than we had hoped for and in the last week we got we sold about a thousand tickets because over a thousand tickets actually because we ended up with 1800 oh wow yeah uh, so, biggest number we've had in a few years, um, and, you know, it's more than we even had last year in 2021, so we're really excited for that uh, number and for the number of people that want to come out um, and just experience the day. Um, you know, Mass in the morning, we had um, the new bishop from Reno was celebrating. Mm-hmm. This is his first time coming to the event, and I think he was installed like the last year in 2021, like the week before on fire. Um, and so, you know, this is his first time to really see the event and what all, all is, it is and um, how many young people are gathered. I mean, the Diocese of Reno brings three buses of, of wow. stuff. So um, I think some of them have some of the farthest to travel and had to probably get up the earliest. Um, but it was great to see, to, for him to have that first experience and it be a really good year. Of course, Bishop Soto was there, and Bishop Vasha from um, the Diocese of Santa Rosa. Um, Joe Kim, Father Joe Kim from San Jose, did a great homily for um, that really spoke to to the kids, and you know made some pop culture references that <laughs> that the kids really appreciated, mm-hmm. um, which is sometimes the key there. Um, but for mass in the morning, it, we um, we also had. Um, we had young people helping to be our lectors and um, and um, and can't help canter. Um, the two the two ladies that were that were there did a great job. Um, she had to sing her she the the person who proclaimed the psalm. She had to sing with these um, and uh, the lector. They both did a great job, and it's great to see young people that are willing to kind of step up and and take those roles in in the church in the church setting as well. So what happens at, like, a vocations booth at the, you know, as part of the carnival? What, how, what happens there? So every vocations office that comes, that they sign up, um, they get a carnival game. So we literally are doing a carnival. So it's like, you know, this traditional carnival, knock the cans over kind of game. Um, so they have an opportunity for kids to play a game and then just to talk to them. So, you know, they just answer some questions. They usually have some information about, like, if they have a come and see retreat coming up or different opportunities they have to learn about their order um you know they'll just some of the priests will just talk to the to the kids and pray with them um our vocation group has these cutouts of priests and and nuns you can kind of put your face in and pretend you're a priest or a nun um, or a sister um they finally (laughs) they when they ordered them originally apparently they thought all of the kids were six two so they were very tall um, but this year they got a shorter one, so that was good. Um, but yeah, so they'll take pic- kids will take pictures. They'll just talk to the priests and seminarians. 
um, and get to meet the seminarians. So we, I think there were four of, four or five of our seminarians from our diocese were there just to, just to hang out as well. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So, so already, uh, planning for next year? Of course. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we ended our day by announcing next year what our date's going to be. We already have it. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to pop this year. It was so good with, even like during the middle of the day, we had those, par- we had a parent session and then we also had a time for, with Steve just to pray the um, Divine Mercy Chapel. So it'll be hard to, you know, be all of these things we did this year. But yeah, we're already looking towards next year. It's going to be September 16th, 2023 um, at Six Flags. And we are starting now to, to figure out who our talent is going to be, um, trying to get it on people's calendars, um, see who's available and who might want to, who might be willing to, to help us make the next one. Because um, booking people a year out, it seems crazy, but it's, I mean, some people are already booked, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, that's great. We're, we're really excited about it. It's such a fun event. I mean. So are you able to keep the price about the same every year, or has inflation hit that as well? Um, it didn't hit it too badly this year, I don't think. Um, you know, we'll go into it next you know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll sit down with the park to, to set some of the rates. Um, you know, we have a number that we need to re- get from the park. So uh-huh. like we need to reach um, so that, you know, we can break even and pay for the speakers and all that kind of stuff um, and the sound and all that. And then, you know, there's just the general park fees. So it's really based upon the park fees um, and that they set the, they set the rate at which, tickets are going to be sold so is for 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 you folks though it's a zero-sum game you 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 get to cover your expenses through admission and you don't it's nothing out of pocket but at the same time you're not you're not making anything off of it correct that's that's the goal is to break is the goal to exactly break even perfect yeah that's our goal um and so we are do we so we try to keep the we try to keep it affordable for groups to be able to come um you know, right now it's sixty dollars, which isn't—it's a lot, but it's not much more than you would pay to no. go to the park no. on a regular day. You know, especially with the food and yeah, food. yeah. The food, I think, is is really the thing that like can you know can make or break your experience at a at an amusement park, right? Oh. Oh. Um, Between amusement parks and ballparks these days, the the food is just it's it's <laughs> uh, it's out of hand in terms of the cost. Oh, yeah, no, it can be really, really expensive. And so, you know, trying to work in our ticket and making sure that part of that is that picnic lunch um, is just, it's so important to us. We want, you know, because I really personally cannot, hungry teenagers are my least favorite thing on the planet. And so (laughs) (laughs) I try to avoid it at all costs. So having, you know, this situation where there is that lunch, it's a two-hour block, they can if they want to sit there and eat for two hours, they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know many of them do, but they have that option, right? Um, and so we really want to make sure that there's this opportunity to get some good food, um, filling, and then go have fun in the park. That's, that's really what we do, the schedule that we do, where it's really open in the middle of the day. You know, we have a lot of people asking why this, because we, we used to do a lot of work, like different talks in the middle of the day, and you know, coming back in 2021, we we just decided to scrap all that and, and to just focus on a morning program, which includes a mass, and an evening program that includes a talk and adoration and a concert, um, and allow young people in the middle of the day to just hang out um, with their friends, with their youth group, um, you know, make some new friends from other youth groups maybe, but to really spend that time. And we encourage the speakers to be out in the park hanging out with the kids as well. And they did that. They did such a great job of that this year, too. And all the speakers were good? The speakers were great. And, and it was just a, it was a great team together. Um, Joe, of course, you know, he is he, he is on fire almost at this point. And he, he did a great job. Um, Epic and Mari, they're both from Miami. They really, mm-hmm. they work together really well. And Steve fit in with that group so effortlessly 
um, it was such a it was such a great opportunity to serve with all of them um, throughout the day, um, getting ready for it, and 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 just the day of like. It was a group of people that, like, were checking in with each other and, and checking in with us and making sure that, you know, we were reaching the young people where, where they, what they, for what they needed. So I think it was a really, it was a really good speaking team. It was a really good day to have them there. So if you go back to the first one, yeah. how, many, how many years ago are we talking about? Ten or so? Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. How different was this one from the first one? Um. Well, for me personally, that first one, I was just there as a youth minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think the difference was, or the difference is, I guess, um, the first year it was mass and a concert. Mm-hmm. And that was really the extent of it. There were some talks in the middle of the day. There was, um, and as the year, like, as it continued, and um, we started adding more talks. Um, and it was not that I... You know, it was good to kind of have a reset in 2020 mm-hmm. um, and kind of get away from so many talks because it kind of turns into, like, kids running from talk to talk. Right. Um, you know, like, the third, I think it was our third year is when we added adoration. And I think during our, that was then during, like, the fourth year that we actually put adoration as part of the evening program mm-hmm. and really started focusing on as, like, a morning program and an evening program and then trying to fill in the middle, so... It is very different. We had, you know, a different band. Um, the first couple years, we had, you know, Matt Marr was there. I think both yeah. the first two years, um, but he was there with like who he was touring with, um, which were Christian bands, but not necessarily Catholic bands, mm-hmm. right? Um, in the last couple years, we really tried to focus on on Catholic bands that are there with us, um, and less people, less of, you know groups that are on like a like on a tour um you know the bands we have are not necessarily they're not the people you're going to see at like you know the, the road shows and all mm-hmm. those things that like Matt Mar does but um so it's just a different it's a different vibe um for sure but still the same spirit behind all of what we're doing wow so it the the, the core is about the same, but a lot of the the stuff around it has changed. Yeah, the core mission, the core idea is the same, and it's it's that we're it's to have it's to create a space where you know it's connecting our connecting kids with their faith, but in like a fun, really fun and engaging way. And um, you know, it's something that we we've talked a lot about in our office is that like is this meant to be, like, a moment of evangelization, or is it meant to be a moment of pre-evangelization? Mm-hmm. And we've come to the consensus that it's really pre-evangelization. It's not about, you know, it's about, like, introducing, slowly giving some, some ideas, just showing them this is what Catholic is, as opposed to, um, great, now, come, come be Catholic as much as I am. It, it's more of, like, this is what it is, this is the beauty of our faith. What what is it that you're what is it that you see that you can that you want to practice more of or learn more mm-hmm. about? And we you know, we really kinda of tried focusing on that. Knowing that a a good number of the teens, you know, maybe they're not seeing that in their homes. They're mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, going to mass every week. Um no, I'm not speaking a judgment on that. I'm just saying like that is the reality of sure. it. Sure. Many of our, our young people, um, and so how do we kind of inspire that idea of this is something? This is like this is great. Um, this is something we want you want to be a part of, and we want you to be a part of it too. So obviously, it works for Six Flags if you've done thirteen. It does. It does. I uh, think I think they enjoy us. Um, I think. Um, Talking to Deacon Kevin, I think we're I, we're either the largest event they do or like top three events that the Six Flags does in our area. Uh, Discovery Kingdom does, so yeah, they they like our event. <laughs> now, are, are there are there other park goers there while this is all going on? Yes, the park is open to the general public. There is a special time at the end of the day called um, an extended ride time. So the last hours of our event 
that is when the park is closed to the general public, and it's just, and it's just our teams and us go getting to go on rides. Um, in the morning, when they open the park early for us, um, and that's when we are able to have the mass and everything. The park, I think this time, um, it opens at like ten thirty or eleven. So usually the park hours are like eleven to six or eleven to eight. This year it was eleven to eight, and so you know people were able to um, just the general public was able to come to the park. Um, it's just a regular park day, and then but it closes and opens late, different for us. So that we have that opportunity. So when mass is going on and the vocations carnival and all those kinds of things, where would are the average park goer who's not part of this? Are they wandering through that, or are they in a separate entrance or something? Um, so it'd be the same entrance. Um, they're they're not there yet when the mass is going on mm-hmm. in the morning. Uh, but during the vocations carnival, we have a picnic grove that's private just for us. So I see. You have to show your wristbands. Again, it's that picnic grove. That's where you get the lunch. That's where the vocations carnival is happening. But there are definitely just people um, who are just there to enjoy the day at the park that are walking through. They're seeing our confessionals. They're trying to, like, why is there a queue here? Should I hop in this queue? Um, <laughs> you know, because you see a queue at a amusement park, you jump in it. Um, <laughs> you know, they're asking questions. And it's, that, it's another opportunity to kind of talk about, you know, this is, no, it's a Catholic event, you know, whatever whatever people say or, like, questions they ask and just answer um, with what we're doing there and how. And it's somewhat obvious that it's not just regular, you mm-hmm. know, parkers. Most of our youth groups come in matching shirts that are brightly colored <laughs> so that you can find your kids anywhere. So do, do, have you ever had someone show up and say, hey, I'd like to buy a ticket to this? Um. I am personally because I'm not working in the front. But well, yes, that's true. there are definitely people that buy tickets day of. Um, we try to discourage that, but it's definitely a thing that can happen. I think if I showed up and heard there was an all you can eat lunch, that'd, that'd be the end of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'll get you. That, that all you can eat lunch when you hear, especially in an amusement park. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say, how much, forget how much the ticket is. Here's my, <laughs> here's my cash. For yeah. sure. Oh, For that's sure. great. That's great. I'm I'm just glad to hear that it gladdens my heart that uh, so many kids came, and you just you just never know the fruits of something like that. No, you don't. And it it was just it was amazing to see the number of kids come in. Like the the speakers that we had, the Epic and Joe were both there last year. And they were like, yeah, it seemed really full last year. And I was like, uh, it wasn't super full, but yeah, I know what you mean. And then this year they're like, oh, my goodness. Because yeah. <laughs> it was full. And it, and honestly, if we still had more capacity, the, the stadium we use can and hold 3,200. Hmm. So there was there was plenty of space if people just kind of squish in. Um, but, yeah, we, we were, it felt very full. It was great. It was really great. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So what what, what, what do you do now? You, well, you know, <laughs> rest. Just kidding. Um, we have other events going on. We'll have, um, we'll have, we have stuff going on. For, we have different trainings for our leaders um, throughout the month of October. Yeah, a lot of that going on. Yep. A lot of thing, activities going on. And then, you know, I have this other hat that I wear. Called Camp Pandola. Yes. And uh, and I mean, you might be shocked to hear, but I'm already working on the flyer and the design for next summer's T-shirt. Really? Yeah. No, I, I put that order into the graphic designer I'm working with uh, two weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so so we're already trying to get that going. There's we're trying to do some capital improvements and. You know, some some different some things, different change up some things with camp, and so working on that. And I might try to take a little vacation. You oh know. My, oh my gosh. I know it's shocking. I'm sure but, well deserved. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we're just getting getting ready for next summer, 
and, you know, we start kicking off all those things. And then Fire It Up is coming in November. We've got our tour. That's right. We're doing the, the North State tour in November. Um, NCYC is coming up. So um, I'm not sure if I will be going to that or somebody on our, somebody on our team will. So we have young people from our diocese going to that. Where Northern will that California. be? It's going to be in Long Beach this year. Okay. Um, it's usually in Indianapolis. Um, and now they're going to do switch it back and forth between East Coast, West Coast. So we're, we're, I think there's going to be some some young people from our diocese and from all over our region going to that. Oh, very good. Long Beach, yeah. is a, that's a nice place to visit. Yeah, Long Beach is nice. Especially when it's cold and dreary in November. Yes, here, and it yeah. It's pretty nice in Long Beach. Usually, usually it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Those beach towns. Good beach town, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jennifer, thanks for uh, filling us in. Uh, it sounds like it was a great event, and um, um, I know that I know that those things don't happen by accident. They don't just have great events without a lot of planning. It may it, it may look like it because it's so seamless, and everybody thinks, "Oh, this was this was a piece of cake." But I, I know that it's it's a lot of work behind the scenes to make it that way. So, congratulations to you and everybody who helped to put it on and. We'll, Thank you very much. Yeah, we will look forward to uh, next year, the 14th. Yeah. On the 16th. Yeah, that's not confusing at all. Pretty soon you got to have the, the date and the annual match. Well, if I do, I'm doing the math right, the 15th might just be that's, on the 15th. That's probably right. It skips a day, so it's that's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, thanks for everything. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. That's uh, Jennifer Campbell, who, as she says, wears many hats in this diocese. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in Healthcare, Education, Housing, and the Care for the Poor and Elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. sure by now God you would have reached down and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day but once again I say amen and it's still raining 
as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you And as your mercy falls I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives And takes away 